You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Brian Peacock at BD Peacock on Twitter, Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need your support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. We're breaking down Monday Night Football on this Tuesday episode of Peacock and Williamson. There are some confirmed ACLs, a number of them around the league with uh, MRIs that came through yesterday. One of my favorite new segments here on Peacock and Williamson, we've got the two-minute warning. We'll be covering at least one question from every division in the NFL today, spending two minutes on each question, jumping around the league. And by the way, those are your questions. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL is where you can find us and get those Tuesday two-minute warning questions in. Matt, uh, I've got a a Tuesday two-minute warning question for you. Oh. Are the Las Vegas Raiders for real? They look pretty darn real last night, beating the Saints 34-24. The Raiders jumping out to a 2-0 record after two weeks this season, the Saints falling at 2-1-1. I mean, I think there's a handful of quarterbacks. Josh Allen really leads this list, Jared Goff. But I think Derek Carr's in that conversation, too, that look better, more comfortable in charge this year than they did last time we saw them. And I think Carr played a very efficient game, um, distributing the ball really well, you know, a good line in front of him. Josh Jacobs is really the engine of the offense, and he looked just as good as ever. More difficult test, obviously, for Jacobs in this offense than Carolina. But boy, Darren Waller, I mean, he's the, the key here. I mean, the way... This even goes back to Gruden's first year in Oakland when they were Oakland. Steamed up Jared Cook so well when they had nothing else on that offense. And now you give him Waller, who's even faster, more athletic, better receiving skills, maybe only improving. And they use him all over the field. And he is a nightmare. I mean, just a nightmare. I mean, almost a a Kelsey-like nightmare. I don't think that kind of comparison as a receiver is that outlandish. And he seems more Kelsey than Kittle to me and certainly more athletic than an Ertz. I'm very, very impressed with the offense in general. And that's not even getting Henry Ruggs all that involved, which will come, but he drew a big, you know, a big penalty deep downfield. They make a big kick. Defense wasn't so bad. I thought this Raider defense would be amongst the worst in a league. It's a little better than that, at least. But that also leads me to Drew Brees is looking a little old. Um, Kamara looks fine. And I think they're missing Michael Thomas in a bad way. And I've kind of implied over the last two years or so that Brees needed Thomas, Kamara, and Peyton more than maybe the other way around. And I think we're seeing that. Uh, I have some thoughts there on, on a lot of that. I, I want to go back to Waller, first of all, really quick, because he's a true freak of nature. And even for a wide receiver, his athleticism was eye-popping out of Georgia Tech. And that weird, they finally got away from that triple option, like archaic scheme they had going there. And it's amazing that Demaryius Thomas and 
Calvin Johnson came out of this scheme and Darren Waller was like the next guy in line who was just this stupidly big and athletic guy, 6'6". He was nearly 240 pounds playing wide receiver there, 238 pounds at the combine, ran a 4.46, 37-inch vertical. He didn't have to gain that much weight to become a tight end at the NFL, and it took, uh, obviously, a, a roundabout way of him having some problems with addiction, burning out with one yeah. NFL team, bouncing around, ends up recovering, and just a perfect fit there with John Gruden and John Gruden's offense. So West coasty, right? It was the most West coasty oh, offense yeah. I've seen in the NFL, which means great things for a tight end when you're that athletic and that big. And Darren Waller is definitely that. And he has really taken to that uh, tight end position. So uh, a true freak of nature they have in Darren Waller fed the ball like crazy. You look at the targets in that game for Waller. He had 16 targets. There were what, 10 or 12 different receivers on let me make sure I get this right there. I know there was at least 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 Las Vegas receivers got targets. None with more than three targets. Darren Waller had 12 targets or 16 <laughs> targets, I'm sorry, in that game and 12 catches. So he out-targeted the entire team with 11 different players getting targets. So, uh, wow, stock up on Darren Waller watching him play in that offense. And, uh, yeah, you want a John Gruden tight end. That was definitely some old school, most West Coasty offense I've seen in a long time. Running game over the middle of the field, short passing stuff, tight end friendly, and then play a little bit of defense. And um, yeah, good on Gruden. He was pumped after the game too. Uh, a massive chest bump with Mike Mayock on the field. I saw later. Yeah, it was definitely they were fired up. I mean, they're two and zero. Good for them. That's huge. Their stadium's awesome, by the way. And, you know, you mentioned how the, the, the distribution outside of Waller, who obviously was the, the, the key, uh, lends itself to the, the, the car efficiency I mentioned. And Carr was definitely the better quarterback last night. I just recounted there this exactly 16 targets for the other 10 receivers in the offense and then 16 for Waller. <laughs> Pretty amazing to have that many wow. players catch balls and one player uh, catches as many as the rest of them combined. Pretty that's, amazing. That's um, yeah, and the the breeze stuff. Uh, it's not. It's like everything is going with. It's not just okay. Maybe a noodly arm, and he's still one of the smartest quarterbacks ever. And accuracy's pinpoint and marching down the field. You know, dissecting defenses. The accuracy is waning a little bit too, and you do definitely start to get worried there. And I was way wrong on. I thought it was like, oh, they got Emmanuel Sanders. They're going to be fine there. Sanders caught what one pass, and that was late in the game. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Sanders. I mean, I think he's a fine addition, but I don't think by any means he can be, you know, a, a, a portion of Michael Thomas or play that role while he's out. I think, you know, at this point, Sanders is really like your third option in an offense, maybe even a fourth in a high-flying offense. You know, like if, if he was a chief, would he get two targets a game? You know what I mean? Like, He's a good player, but I, I think that his best days are behind him, and he's down the line now. Alvin Kamara, this is my last thought on the game. Alvin um, oh. Kamara and Josh Jacobs, I mean, that was just fun to watch. Two of the best running backs in the league right there, and Josh Jacobs quickly, you know, I think moving into that upper echelon of running backs in the NFL. I mean, he'd probably be with all the, the injuries right now. If you redrafted a fantasy football league for this season right now, Jacobs is one of the top, what, three or four picks, right? Gotta be, right? Yeah, with, I mean, the, with the workload. I mean, look, it's only 3.3 yards per carry, but they knew what was coming, and Josh Jacobs just, you could see the talent. If you look at the box score, you wouldn't be wowed by it. If you watch the game, you're like, oh my gosh, Josh Jacobs is the real deal. And Alvin Kamara, yes. there's no smoother running back in the league. I love the way he runs. He doesn't look like he's going full speed, and all of a sudden, whoop, there he goes. 
and his balance is ridiculous yes. and he has more power than you think he has those finesse aspects, but he's also, you know, very difficult to get on the ground. And Jacobs has some similarities. I mean, you said it before I did that these are two of the best running backs in the league already. Yeah. I think Jacobs is in that conversation. Multiple ACLs popping. Hopefully that is not something that continues around the league. We'll get into that and take your questions to minute warning on this Tuesday episode of Peacock and Williamson. With the ever-increasing number of makes and car models, it's almost impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning while the counterman orders the parts on his computer? You can't even see what's going on on the screen, choosing the only brand his warehouse happens to carry. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. And they seriously have everything. Makes and models that I didn't think uh, they would have anywhere near the amount of parts for. Uh, They have you covered at RockAuto.com. Why spend up to twice as much for the same Parts. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Injuries mounting around the league, Matt, and some teams getting it worse than others. The 49ers and Broncos, I think, are the ones that really stand out that they just had it rough last week and have had it rough this season so far. We had confirmation yesterday on Saquon Barkley's torn ACL. He's done for the year. Uh, We got confirmation now that Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, both torn ACLs for the 49ers. They're going to be done for the season. Nick Bosa is the one that really hurts for San Francisco there, even though Solomon Thomas was also starting on the interior. But they have a first rounder in Javon Kinlaw who can jump in there and and take those snaps from Solomon Thomas. And maybe the 49ers would be better off for it. Not that they're better off without Solomon Thomas, but I just think there's going to be better things to come and, and better things right away from Javon Kinlaw than, than Solomon Thomas there on the interior. Cortland Sutton, we found out he had a torn ACL. He is now done for the year. Uh, I don't know what the prognosis is for the shoulder of Drew Locke. I know he's going to be out for a time. Uh, I think the they're exact... saying four to six, which four is also six. what they okay. said about McCaffrey. So right. we'll okay, see. so at least a month for McCaffrey and Drew Locke. Anthony Barr torn pectoral muscle. He is done for the season. The number of injuries around the league, oh, and I know the league said that they inspected the turf in New York, so uh, they think that's okay. Uh, the 49ers were pretty upset about that turf. They got to go play on it again against the the Giants numerous players getting their feet caught underneath them. So they might just roll out there with basketball shoes and, and, and not worry about cleats uh, <laughs> I, at MetLife. I, I meant to tell you, I texted you, but I didn't want to divulge my sources, but a little birdie told me that the Steelers in week one were not happy with the New York turf either. So yeah, Zach Banner torn ACL done for the season there for the Steelers. Yeah. And the, the, like the Giants got to practice steep. on it. So maybe they knew and maybe they have the correct footwear and other teams coming in. Don't know how to how to treat that turf. I mean, they need to get that information out because it's one thing to have an advantage with your home turf, but if, if people are f- 
dropping like flies. They're averaging one and a half ACLs torn per game on that turf. They got to figure something out there. Right. And I'm sure the NFL did inspect it and I'm sure they have a code, but I mentioned yesterday, it's one of my pet peeves that we should, that we ever talk about the field conditions not being superb unless it's a weather related thing. You know, I mentioned Oakland in the past, Chicago, some of them have been soft and a little on the dangerous side in the past, let alone something like this, that the the people are describing as sticky. Well, sticky is bad for ligaments and joints. That one field is, is one thing, but just around the league with all the injuries, practice time this off season and no OTAs in the ramp up periods. And I mean, it's very clear that there's something going on there and we're seeing a number of injuries. And I was reminded of the 2011 season when there was a bunch of injuries as well during the lockout season, there was even less practice for players to get ready this year. And I think that is a huge factor as well. Yeah, I'm sure. I always hesitate to talk about that part of it because, you know, how many times were we asked over the off season, do you expect a lot more injuries this year because of the lack of conditioning, because of the crazy circumstances and I kind of thought, well, maybe, but who's to say? I mean, I think we've had more early season injuries lately anyway. I mean, fewer players are playing in the preseason. I just don't want people to forget what it used to be like just a year ago or before. It's not the first time we've been hit hard with injuries to start the year. And I don't feel like these are a bunch of cramps and pools and hamstrings and dehydrations and things like that that are more conditioning related that they, they seem just to be a bad rash of injuries that it's, it's happened other years too is my point i was thinking that and i got a question on the locked on 49ers show from this morning about that if this was the most injuries ever in a weekend of nfl football and it felt like there was to me but maybe i'm just not remembering all the injuries and because look there's so many the the attrition in football is for real you got to be a deep football team to uh or lucky football team to get through a season and all the injuries that happen in the nfl but it did feel like there was more to me but maybe i'm just not remembering how many um injuries there usually are at the beginning of seasons and maybe I misspoke there because I don't remember a weekend that was this bad, to be honest with you, but I'm not sure that COVID's to blame. <laughs> Got you. No, I follow. I follow. Yeah. yeah. It might be just, you know, it happens. There's a, yeah. an unlucky nature of a, of a, a tough sport that um, right. there's going to right. always be a number of injuries, but a couple teams yeah, got exactly. it worse. We'll see if they are able to overcome it. Let's get into this. Tuesday. Oh, I have a quick Niners question for you. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, sure. With Bosa being out and and Thomas, I mean, he's a, a good player. He's not a great player. Do you worry a little bit about the Niners secondary maybe looking a little, not I don't want to say exposed, but getting not having as easy of a life and as easy of a time? Oh, absolutely, because D Ford's yeah. dealing with his injuries, and Richard Sherman, your best cornerback, is on IR for a couple of weeks. He should be back by week five. He's going to spend, the, I think, the minimum time with a calf strain on that IR of three weeks. But um, in 2018, the 49ers defense was not nearly as good as it was in 2019. And the difference was obviously that they added Nick Bosa and D Ford. And if neither one of those guys are on the field and you don't have DeForest Buckner, who had 12 sacks in 2018 and the defense still needed that extra juice off the edge, uh, I think it's going to make life very difficult on the back end. So you're not going to get after quarterbacks as much. You are, gonna have to cover for longer if you are defensive backs and you don't have your best corner on top of it that could be a big problem for the 49ers luckily aside from Nick Bosa most of the other injuries are going to be short-term 
for the Niners, and they have a chance to get healthy here after week five or six or so. But in the short term, it's going to be difficult. And they, I mean, luckily, they're going against a line that has just been a sieve with the New York Giants. So they still might be able to get some pressure this weekend against that New York Giants offensive line. But um, it could be a problem going forward, absolutely. And Nick Bosa was a massive influence on how good the 49ers were in 2019. Getting the addition of Nick Bosa and Jimmy Garoppolo back from 2018 from his torn ACL. And Jimmy Garoppolo himself said it was almost a blessing in disguise that I tore my own ACL because we ended up with Nick Bosa because of it with the number two overall pick. So even Jimmy Garoppolo was like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it was worth me tearing my ACL because we got Bosa. (laughs) He is that good. You know, I mean, uh, a couple of these guys, Von Miller and Bosa, I mean, that really breaks my heart that we're not going to see them this year off the edge. It's such a good group of edge players in this league right now. Let's stick with the AFC West and get going in our, or the NFC West, excuse me, get going with our two-minute warning. John Jay wants to know that now that Russ is a bona fide chef in Seattle, (laughs) will the Seahawks D hold them back? I think the pass rush will, and I think that was a problem this past week. You know, why did Julian Edelman have a big game? Well, because Cam just sat there and patted the ball and waited for him to get open. Um, I think they'll have to generate more through blitz. And I really like their back seven, though. I mean, their linebackers and secondary now is quite good. But contrary to analytic folks, I would rather be good up front. You know, I, I think Jamal Adams will blitz and get pressure and they'll have to do those type of things. But their their pass rush to me is one of the weakest in the league when you just look at their defensive front. I think it's a great point about what we just talked about with the 49ers and that pass rush. You make the guys cover on the back end too much, even with Jamal Adams running around like crazy out there. And look, coverage isn't his number one asset, but it's a problem. And the the Niners did sign Ziggy Ansah, which is a player that I don't know why Seattle didn't want. I mean, they need pass rush there, right? Uh, So that's that's what could hurt the 49ers. That's what's going to hurt the Seahawks, I think. Uh, If you can't get pressure, it just makes things so difficult. And unless they can win shootouts every week, and it looks like they might be able to, uh, it could be a problem. I mean, the, def- the defense, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to go as strong as to say it will hold them back, but it absolutely could hold them back because one of the worst pass rushes in the league there in Seattle. Last note on that, because I know we have to go fast on these, though. If anyone can overcome it, it's Wilson, you know, and just outscore you. Find yes. a way to win. I love the, <laughs> the chef comment, too, with letting That's Russ good. cook there. Uh, I don't know why it's always cooking for Russ. Why is that? I don't understand that either. Am I missing some joke or (laughs) I don't quite get it. I think people just like to repeat something. (laughs) Right, right. I guess it flows off the tongue. AFC West, Zachary says, who would you start week three for the Chargers? Experienced veteran quarterback Tyrod Taylor, who doesn't turn the ball over, but also doesn't make big throws, or Herbert, who had a great game Sunday when being called just minutes before the game to start? Herbert or Tyrod Taylor, Matt? Some of this is just easy armchair quarterback because I'm not in the building and I don't know what Herbert doesn't know. If he doesn't know the protections and how to get out of bad plays, then you probably have to play Tyrod. But just seeing what we saw in that game and we know his physical abilities, I don't put that genie back in the bottle. Uh, And to me, it's not even a consideration. Tyrod sits there, mentors. If things get tough, he can always come in. But Anthony Lynn's conservatism, that's not really a word. Con- conservatism, conservative, that's right. yeah. <laughs> conservative nature makes me a little crazy. And I think he just loves the tie rod, isn't going to hurt you mentality. 
It's Herbert. It's Herbert 100%. I don't care what he doesn't know. He'll yeah. learn it as the season goes along. Uh, I was really impressed with the way he carried himself, the throws he can make. Get him every rep you can right now. And and they sh- they almost knocked off the Chiefs with him starting, right? Like, right. It's not like he's hurting your chance to win either. So put Herbert out there all day, like 100%. There's no question for me. Me too. Me too. All right. More two-minute warning. We'll hit the rest of the NFL. We've got six more divisions coming up. Did you know there are new flavors of Built Bar? If you've had Built Bars in the past, you know how good they are, and they've got some fantastic new flavors that you should be excited to try. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Uh, they've got their 12 original flavors as well. You've heard me talk about the peanut butter flavor that I love. Double chocolate's good. Uh, mint brownie's also one of my favorites. 18 fantastic flavors to choose from. You can get a box of just one flavor and get multiple boxes. You can build your own box of Built Bars as well. They're covered in 100% delicious chocolate. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Soft and easy to chew. Great if you're health conscious, trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, High fiber bar that is also great for a keto diet. Go to builtbar.com. Use promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your next order. That's built bar, B U I L T B A R. Use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. I'm just going to jump around from division to division here. I want to go to the NFC East, and this is Swerve Griffin, and this is kind of an NFC West question as well. Does every team in the NFC West easily win the NFC East? Hmm. Cowboys versus Cardinals to me, I still think favors Dallas. I, I the t- the I, Cardinals have been I, one of the most impressive teams though over the course of the it. first two weeks. Two and zero. Oh, the Cowboys look very iffy. I called them the 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 worst best team in the NFL. Yeah, and I think that's an accurate description. And I think Philly is now a below-average team, which gives them three teams in that division that yeah. are below average. Dallas lost to the Rams. I think the Niners or Seattle easily wins that division. I still think Dallas, if if Arizona was in the East and in and we took the Giants out, I think I'd still take the Cowboys. But it's a good conversation. Swerve Griffin, great name, by the way. And this is a good question, and I'll say yes. I think every NFC West team would win because of how good the Cardinals have looked. That would be a team I would question. The 49ers, maybe now that they have so many injuries, wouldn't be able to win that division or the NFC West. Um, The Rams, I actually picked to finish fourth in this division. They look like the best team in the division right now. I mean, this this division is stacked. I I would take every team right now in the AFC or the NFC East. I haven't seen quite, I, mean, I like the Cowboys on paper. I haven't quite seen it. I mean, that comeback against the, the Falcons was nice, but it was against the Falcons, and the Falcons yeah. are great at finding a way to lose. Yeah, I was just so high on the Cowboys going into the season. I'm not ready to swerve off that yet, Griffin. <laughs> we'll, we'll check back in after uh, the quarter pull of this season with your power rankings and, and check back in with that question because it's an interesting one. They're dropping. And Cardinals are rising, but I still would take the Cowboys to win that division. NFC South, there's actually a couple of really good questions. I don't know if we can fit in a bonus. Do you have a question that that Rodney hit you with, right, about the Saints? Yeah, and basically what he asked, and he sent me this during the game last night, and I, I went, you know, I'm talking about my offseason, you know, analysis on these teams. I've said pretty much since the start that the Saints are a tier one team, 
And Rodney Shookman asked me, serious question, are the Saints good? Breeze looks like he's losing his fastball. It's only week two. Defense getting shredded in second week in a row. And this was like in the third quarter of the game. We kind of talked about the start to show, but the thing I didn't mention was I took the Saints with the thought that the Saints D would be clearly the best unit on the field last night. That's not how it went. And I don't know if they were shredded in week one, but this defense I expected to be a top six or seven type defense. And we're not seeing that. I mean, we talked about the other side of the ball a fair amount. I'm open to the idea that maybe they're not a tier one team. I don't know that I can dip them further than that. I mean, right now they're not playing like a tier one team, though. I want to double up in the South here because Tom in Texas has a good question. Any Panthers players that could fetch some good return at the trade deadline? So uh, Tom in Texas Ooh. looking ahead for that rebuild. And I talked about it before in the offseason. I thought the wrong move was to pay Christian McCaffrey. I think you have a running back there on a rebuilding team. You get all the value you can out of him, which is not paying him. That's trading him. And that was their best trade chip. And you look at this roster, most of the players that I think teams would want are the young players that you're trying to build around. DJ Moore. Um, you know, yeah, I'm having uh, a hard time coming up with names. Like Kawan Short, if he's healthy, he could absolutely help a team. So you could get something there, I think. But that's he what didn't I thought. He, he's not playing right now, uh, and he's had a rough go the last couple seasons there. On the injury front, I'm looking at the roster, and I just maybe Robbie Anderson. I think he's only on a one year deal, right? I think so, but I think he's been good and has a rapport with Rule that they would want to keep each other. You know, they don't want to yeah. stray from them. I don't know that I mess with those three receivers. I, that seems like a foundational piece. Uh, I think short's a good one, but I'd have to get pretty decent return. Um, I thought about Russell Okun, but yeah, maybe trading away Lyman is bad business for trying <laughs> right. to get better. No, that's true too. Yeah. And there's a dearth of good offensive linemen around the league. So there might be teams calling and be interested in offensive linemen if you were willing to go there. So maybe that's mm-hmm. where you could find a guy, but you know, nobody wants to trade away offensive linemen either. Right. I mean, like Miami trading Tunsil, I'm not sure that helped their cause last year. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't block anybody, it's hard to install things for the future. Um, Here's a crazy one. Okay. If P.J. Walker gets a chance, which I think isn't crazy talk in a month from now, if they're 1-5, 0-6, you know, the, the XFL kid that Matt Rule loved, Maybe somebody comes calling about Teddy because their quarterback's hurt or something like that. And they're going to draft a quarterback anyway, and P.J. Walker's a nice developmental backup that they like and can compete. Okay, I'm with you on that. I mean, maybe. You know, I mean, if the Denver wants, would like Teddy Bridgewater right now or someone that loses a quarterback. So in your deep dynasty league, are you picking up P.J. Walker right now, the former Temple quarterback? I've actually had him in my, uh, the only one that's a super flex league. I've had him since the summer. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good nugget. I like that one. I would not have come up with that name. Yeah. I mean, he's also good for fantasy because he runs a lot. Right, yeah. <laughs> that helps. NFC North, this from John. He says, what in the world gave you guys any microcosm of faith in the Lions' ability to be respectable in 2020? <laughs> Asking as a jaded, lifelong Lions fan. That was all you, Matt. I'm going to let you run with this it question because you were all about like it. Fool. Yeah. <laughs> I Here's the only caveat. I'd like to see the offense with Kenny Galladay, hopefully at some point, because I still think the offense has a chance to be quite good. But, man, I mentioned it yesterday. Patricia's probably second in line behind Gase for me in 
begging to whose seat is the hottest and the defense doesn't get any better. Um, they put their corners in tough situations and they don't have good enough corners to do that. They have to generate pass rush. They don't have a lot of team speed. They continue to bring in former Patriots that Belichick didn't really try that hard to keep, you know, like, and frankly, the organization for, to, to quote the tweet basically has been garbage the majority of my life. And that's not an accident. It's not an accident. It can't be an accident when it's no. 50 straight years. Right. <laughs> right so, and I can, right. I can sense that in the question. And I appreciate that from John. I mean, that's gotta be rough. And, and there are a bunch of 49ers fans. I had to remind them that I was, they're like, Oh man, wow. How can we have the worst luck? And all these injuries are happening to us. It was like, you just came from a Super Bowl. Dude. You don't think the Browns or the lions would take that season. The Niners had in 2019 over the last 50 years, just one time. Oh, tr- I mean, trust me. I mean, anytime Ben throws a pick, oh, us Steeler fans have it so hard. I'm like, dude, you got six <laughs> trophies. You go to the playoffs basically every year. Tomlin's never had a losing season. Shut up. Go, go to move, move, move to Detroit. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Um, <laughs> AFC South, this from Bill. He wants to know if Jonathan Taylor is now the front runner for rookie of the year. Burrow's going to have a strong case. Edward Solaire's going to have a strong case. But I think Taylor is a... If, if you drafted Jonathan Taylor in fantasy in the fourth round where he was going, he may be the league winner. Like, when it's all said and done, he may be on the most championship teams because I think he's about to go crazy and is going to get so many carries behind a really good offensive line. So... Yes, I would say. I mean, I, I think there's a really good chance he's offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I, I was raising my hand over here when you talked about it. I, I ended up with Jonathan Taylor, probably as much stock in my fantasy leagues as any player, including my really? dynasty league, which I'm feeling good about. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I think, will have a really good shot at it, and I think it's a perfect storm for him the rest of the way. But he's starting at a disadvantage just because of the first-round tag that are on Joe Burrow, and he's a quarterback. If Joe Burrow plays pretty well, he's going to win it. Uh, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is on the Super Bowl champions, and he was a first-round player, too. So he's got to overtake those guys, and if they, if it's a tie, it's going to go to them. So he has to really clearly win it. How about this? I haven't pumped the uh, the, the new Locked On Dynasty podcast enough, but you definitely should yes. check that out. Ryan McDowell and I do twice a week, and we were the one that came out today, we were talking about Taylor's dynasty value and kind of came to the conclusion going back and forth that, both Edwards, Hilaire, and Taylor, you'll like hearing this since you have in your dynasty league. If we had a, a, a startup draft right now, they're top five picks. Like, I would rather have Taylor than Barkley. I might rather have Taylor than McCaffrey, you know, with these injuries. I mean, there's not many get backs in the league to own now for the rest of their life that I would take over Jonathan Taylor. He may be, if we have this conversation two weeks from now, he might be the consensus 1-1. Wow, 1.1 in Dynasty Leagues. Jonathan Taylor, I mean, I'm with you. I can see it for sure. That's a great conversation. Yeah, uh, by the way, you, you do need to go download the Locked On Dynasty Football um, Podcast yeah. featuring my co-host here, Matt Williamson. And that is, uh, it's it's hosted by two different groups, right? It is. Uh, Ryan and I do twice a week. And Kate and Marcus Mosher do the other two days. They do nice. Monday, Friday, I think it is. We do Tuesday, Wednesday. Kate also in our Locked On Dynasty startup. I beat her by like a half a point in week one. Sorry, Kate. She knows her stuff. Oh, yeah, she's good. 
We got to go quick here. Uh, AFC East, Mikey wants to know, are you guys buying Josh Allen's improvement? If so, are the Bills with Pittsburgh in that tier after Kansas City and Baltimore in the AFC? I've been really hard on Allen. And trust me, people have been telling me these last two weeks about how wrong I've been. Um, They played the Dolphins and the Jets. So let's get that out of the way. True. That's their 31 and 32 in my power ranks. So that's that. But he was awesome. And he's been way better as a passer. And it doesn't matter who you play. If his accuracy is better and he's completing better balls. And I think Stefan Diggs has helped a lot. Um, He is, to me, the guy whose stock has improved the most since we saw them last in 2019. So I guess I'm buying it. And yeah, I think right now, if you ask me who's the third best team in the AFC, I would say the Steelers or Bills. I would have that exact same order. And I, I might put Baltimore one right now. Baltimore, KC, Pittsburgh. I did. Buffalo. I did a power ranks today and put okay. them on. I there was, you go. Yeah. We're in agreement yeah. there. That's my top four in the AFC. Yeah. So the Bills are there. I, 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 so that means we are buying. I mean, you have to buy the improvement. We've seen it and he's getting better. How much better is the question that we're going to find out very soon? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, last one here. AFC North, this from Jay, who are the real Cleveland Browns? The week one Browns team that got wrecked in Baltimore or week two team that looked great on a short week in Cincy? Well, to your point of Baltimore being one, they're kind of doing that to everybody. You know, I mean, they look better to me than they did last year, which is wow. But give the Browns credit, but I really, my biggest takeaway, this sounds like I'm Brown hating but that was a short week Thursday, super early in the year for a young Bengals team. And I thought the Bengals defense was just atrocious. I mean, one of the worst performances I've seen all year from any unit was the Bengals defense in Cleveland this past week. So it's never going to be that easy for those guys. And I still have a lot of Mayfield questions. I hate to hedge here, but week one, I don't feel like they're as bad as, and they got, they played the best team in the NFL right now in the Baltimore Ravens and a preseason is feel around the league with that week one. You can, you can kind of throw out some week one results. I agree with you. Cincinnati, not the great greatest monitor because of how bad their defense is. They have Washington coming up next week. I don't know how much we're going to know there. I just need more time. I think with the Browns, cause I, I, I don't know. And I think that's why the, the, the asker of this question is so confused, and, and I am too. I don't know what to expect. I think maybe closer to the Cincinnati version in week two than the Baltimore. I don't think they're going to get blown out by most teams. It was week one against a really tough opponent, so I yeah. would say closer to week two Browns than week one Browns, but we'll find out. Weeks four, five, six, they've got Dallas, Indy, Pittsburgh. I think that'll be a really good indicator. Yeah, and week one, the Ravens were my lock of the week against the spread because they had... You know, very a lot of stability. The Browns had a lot of ch- new parts. Walking into that buzzsaw, you could see that coming. And so, I don't. I'm not implying that that's who the Browns are. I mean, that's as bad as it's going to get for them. And that was a brutal matchup. Great stuff. Thanks everybody for all the questions. Keep those coming anytime throughout the week. You don't have to wait for us to ask for that question on Twitter for our Tuesday two minute warning. It's a lot of fun. I'm gonna have to start putting a timer on it. I don't know how close we are to two minutes with these questions. I think we're getting pretty over. close though. Yeah, <laughs> probably the over as we tend. But we've we've hit more. We we've been better. Most times we can't even get eight questions in in a full 30 minute podcast. So we are doing pretty well, I think. Uh, (laughs) Thanks everybody for those questions at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL. Tomorrow it's stock up, stock down right here. The Peacock and Williamson NFL show.